So, are you DTFX? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Hey, welcome back to DTFF, everyone. If you're joining us live, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Tuesday evening. Uh, tomorrow is what some consider the best day of the year. It's 420. Uh, oh. if, 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 you, if you get the reference, if not, just ignore this. Anyway, uh, oh, I get it. <laughs> we're, we're on the we're on the eve of a great day, but no, it's always a great day when we're talking fantasy football. We have uh, another terrific, fun, could be slightly controversial episode this evening, uh, talking about some of the riskiest players of 2022. Uh, and it's it's going to focus a little bit on the dynasty side, a little bit on the redraft side. I feel like more of redraft focus though, uh, but there will be some dynasty uh, talk as well. But before we get into that. Got to introduce the co-host of the mostest, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing, partner? I'm great. I do have the mostest. I, w- I want that out there for the world to hear. So thank you for shedding the light on that. Oh, you are most certainly welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Uh, you know, this episode, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe some people would view it as a downer. I don't feel that way. I feel it's just like, you know. Fire beware. Caution signs. We get a point like, like at the falling rocks, you know, mm-hmm. that could turn into like an Indiana Jones type of boulder. And we're just trying to give you a head start in this episode. Right. But you could also say, yeah, these players are risky, but it could be fantasy gold as well. Just because it's risky doesn't mean it's bad. So He's got to risk it to get the biscuit. That's right. That's right. But before we talk about all that fun stuff, uh, we've got a beer to talk about here, Jake. So what are we drinking this evening? This week, once again, we revisit Delta Beer Lab, a local favorite of ours. This is their Golden Ale. Now, Golden Ales typically don't inspire me very much. Unless we're talking mm-hmm. about some Kona Big Wave. That is like the very Golden fair. Ale of all Golden Ales. It's, it's my summer beer. But I didn't have that. I didn't have that. What I had... Uh, from the lovely missus was this Delta Beer Lab Golden Ale. So I know you've taken a sip. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about this one? Uh, it's a solid summer beer. It's very light, very refreshing, uh, kind of crisp, but it's got like a good malt uh, balance to it. Uh, definitely not like a, a light, like your um, domestic light beers. It's not like that crispness to it, but uh, it's a very good summer beer. Very easy drinking. Not very hoppy at all. It's got just a little hint of hops on it. I like it. It's a good, just a good summer, easy drinking beer. You know what this thing is? It's the opposite of the players that we're about to talk to. It's steady. It's consistent. No fear, you know, picking this one up that it's going to be anything other than exactly what you expect. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the David Montgomery of beers. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know what and you're getting I yourself think, into. It's not going to like overly impress you, but it's never going to let you down either. It's just it's just there. Would you dare say it's never going to give you up and never going to let you down? 
Oh yes, and I wish Never gonna it, run, I wish I wish run. so bad I would have uh, the YouTube video pulled up so we could have <laughs> just rickrolled everybody because uh, that would have just made that. my whole night. Um, we can do that in post. We can cut oh, yeah. this discussion and do it in post and just, oh, just throw it in for the audio only uh, folks. <laughs> That's perfect. Y'all about to get rickrolled or already yeah. have gotten rickrolled, I yep. should say. And if you did, welcome back to the show. <laughs> But no, it's it's, uh, it's it's a perfectly good beer. It's nothing special, but gets the job done. I like it. Well done. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like me, really, when you think about it. This I could be the sponsor of this beer pretty easily, I think. And then, you know what? I might, I might write to Delta Beer Lab, post Madison, Wisconsin, and say, "What's up, man? Let's let's get me on this." But for <laughs> before we get into all of the good stuff here. Mm-hmm. One more beer-related thing that we gotta do. It's our favorite segment yes. of the show. The Drunk Trade of the Week. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Dustin, this week I had to go back to the Reddit stomping grounds for some inspiration, for some more submissions, and they did not disappoint. This was well, the very good. first one after I posted this in a Reddit thread. Not 30 seconds later, <laughs> I think this one showed up. <laughs> and it's a doozy. So Carl underscore 42. That's the 42nd Carl with a K and an underscore on Reddit alone. So can't imagine how many Carl C's are out there. But he says, I traded a first and second for Todd Gurley. In early 2020, because my drunk ass thought he was all the way back. All the way back, meaning he had some arthritis in them knees. We got to see him on the Falcons. And, uh, you know, he looked good to start the season. So this is clearly when Carl decided to go out Mm -hmm. and trade for Todd Gurley. Dustin, just initial thoughts on this, besides how awful it is. Yeah, it's awful. That that's that's my only thought. Uh it's we all know how that season ended up for him. And yeah, just bad trade. A first and a second. That's such an overpay. It's it's ridiculous. So very very drunk, very drunk making this trade. This is this is one of the worst ones we've had for quite some time. Yeah, it was about time we got a bad one in here. We've had too many eh okay, medium, mm-hmm. reasonable, dare I say, trades come through. This one, though, I do want you to put yourself back in the shoes of, let's say, week nine for 2020, okay. when Todd Gurley on the Atlanta Falcons was the RB6 overall in PPR scoring. That was through week nine. So let's say you're staring at week nine, and you think to yourself, I'm contending I got a real shot at a championship this year. Is there any part of you that could get on board with this thought process? Well, if he's saying early in 2020, so like after the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, and you got some, you know, half half a dozen RB1 weeks, then sure, I guess it's okay. But that's not what you're expecting when you pay a first and a second. Like you're expecting a championship caliber player helping your team win the ship. And that is not what Todd Gurley did. And, and hopefully and for I, multiple years. Yeah. And I don't recall 
um, for for some reason, my memory wants to say, uh, even though he was, what did you say, RB6 over those RB first nine six. weeks? Yeah. I, I feel like it wasn't a consistent RB6. I feel like there was a lot of boom and bust weeks in there. I could be totally mistaken, but I just feel like it wasn't a very consistent uh, consistent run that, that you were getting from him over that time. Yeah, I do recall this being fairly touchdown dependent. I think that's the only thing that saved you. I mean, from an actual scoring like week to week thing, though, I will say if we look back at 2020, he had two real duds. He scored six points in week two, nine and a half points in week six. And then he had like a 10 point showing, but everything else was actually good. But yeah, those ones aren't great for mm-hmm. you. And that's going to hurt for sure. Either way, a first and a second round you had to say goodbye to. Maybe though, you know, those picks were spent on just garbage rookies that also didn't do anything. Maybe that's a yeah. way you can make yourself feel better. About that's right. Because we can't. That's can. right. No, there, there's <laughs> so. nothing redeeming about this. Especially since then, you know, he's you know, out of the league and hasn't done anything. So that's, yeah. it's even a bigger disappointment. So yes. sorry, Carl, Carl with a K. Sorry, Carl, 40, 42. Uh, you know, maybe he'll come back next year and be the star of Houston. Who knows? Well, well I was going to say Baltimore since they seem to like to bring in old running backs. You dick. Although that ties into something we're going to talk about a little bit later. So you know what? Good transition. Yeah, it's, it's, I have my moments. What can I say? Um, yeah, so let's get into this. Let's not waste any more time. Some some of the riskiest players that we think are going to be for the 2022 season. High ceiling, high risk, high reward if they pan out, but also not going to help your team whatsoever if, if they don't pan out and bust. So let's get into it. Jake, do you want to start us off first? I'd love to. And Dustin, I got to give you major props. Because the first guy that I wanted to talk about was somebody that you mentioned last week. So last week we talked about guys that we want to uh, sort of not cut off of our rosters, but cut bait on and trade in Dynasty. And that was Travis Kelsey. You mentioned Travis Kelsey, and I thought, you know what? Even for 2022, which we weren't explicit about in last week's episode, I still think there's a ton of uh, risk involved with drafting Travis Kelsey. Now, here's the issue. Anytime you want to take him, it's going to be, I think, even now, in the first couple of rounds. I don't think he's escaping round two this year. You know, Tyreek Hill leaves the team. And so that's probably going to bump him up draft boards even Mm -hmm. more. I'd be shocked if he escapes the first round again this year, which is kind of his thing every year. Now, the Chiefs have, so we're a week, plus away from the NFL draft. They have more draft picks for this year than any other team. They've already added Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I am not saying that either of them is as good or better than Tyreek Hill. Let me be clear about that. But they are both infinitely better than whatever the number two receiver was there last year. Mm -hmm. Even MVS, who we love to shit on, of course. Chiefs are going to use picks on wide receivers still, though. They don't have a ton of other holes on their team. It doesn't look like to a schlub observer like myself. Uh, yes, they need depth in a lot of places. They don't need like standout uh, picks, though. So watch them add a couple of wide receivers. And now Travis Kelsey is going to have to contend with not just one other guy. There's going to be options for Pat Mahomes to throw to. 
And maybe it's not right away. Maybe the rookies, whoever they are, take some time to adjust as they come on board. But the reality is, Travis Kelsey was the thing if Tyreek Hill wasn't the thing. And that was his only competition for targets. And now he's got maybe potentially a more competitive depth chart, let's say, to deal with. So I think where you're going to have to draft him is just too risky for me. It's flatly too risky. I wouldn't take him. I'm not kidding. I don't think I could take him in the first three rounds. Even me, who the guy, I hate doing the late round tight end thing because I suck at it. I don't think I could take Kelsey in the first three rounds and feel really, really good about it. I don't know, Dustin. Would you? Um, Maybe in the third. Maybe. If, if he yeah. fell that far, I don't, I don't know if I could pass that up because I do think he's still going to get all the targets this year. Um, I do, I do see where you're coming from as far as having more competent wide receivers other than just Tyree Kill on the team. But Mahomes and Kelsey, they, they've, they've played together now for what, three, four seasons. Like, like they have that connection. They have that relationship where, you know, Juju, MBS, whatever rookies, they're all coming in. Uh, fresh, fresh and clean faced to this offense where, uh, unless they start, you know, having breakfast with Mahomes, uh, uh, brunch every day, then maybe things will change. But, you know, it's, it's hard to see a good chemistry right out of the gate for that. Maybe by the end of the season, you know, we'll see maybe that switch a little bit. But, um, I mean, there is definitely a risk there though, too. I, I, I don't disagree that, that there is a risk. And I do think where you're going to have to draft him is is where the risk really comes in because you're giving up first second round i mean you're giving up top tier running backs and wide receivers that those points are not easy to replace and i know you can say well travis kelsey all he does is score the most points every year for tight end true but i don't know that's that's just how i play so i I, this year is he yeah he might still score the most points among tight ends he might he might i don't think he will but he might, but I don't think it's going to be this big gulf like we've seen in previous years where Travis Kelsey, his own tier, and then here's some other tight ends who finish, you know, in this second tier of guys. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, it could be incredibly close, but I wouldn't be shocked if Travis Kelsey is not a top two tight end this year, which is, I understand how crazy it sounds. So if people turn this off because of that, I apologize, but I don't. Because I, I think that this is something that needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Jake. All, All right. right. Well, where where should I be right there with you for? <laughs> Who is the guy that you are viewing as risky? Yeah, I'm going to start with uh, Travis Kelsey's former teammate in Tyreek the Freak Hill uh, going over to Miami. I know what we've seen over the years. And this is, and this is why I feel like it's risky. We, we, we've seen traditionally over the years that wide receivers, when they move teams, that first year that they're on the team, traditionally don't perform up to expectations. Uh, I know there's been a couple that have, have busted that uh, theory, but there's always exceptions. I know with like Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins over the last couple of years, yeah, they've outperformed what we expected. But I think overall, you know, they went into to pretty good situations. I don't know if you can say that Miami is a great situation. Yes, they've got a lot of pieces going for them. They're a young team. 
uh, that looks like they have a, a good offensive minded coach coming in, but nobody's thinking Tua is the answer there or the, you know, he's never going to be that top five quarterback that maybe we thought first coming out or before, you know, he's suffered that injury in college. You know, people aren't viewing him like that. They're, they're what, maybe viewing him as Kirk Cousins level fringe QB one. Right. Um, and, and as we saw last year, you had Jalen Waddle blow up with an incredible rookie season. Probably would have had, uh, would have been the talk of the rookie class, if not for Jamar Chase. Uh, that's how good a season he actually had last year. So, uh, Tua and, and, and Jalen Waddle, they, they, they have that connection already. And I just don't know that this offense is going to be high volume enough for Tyreek and Jalen Waddle to both be high end wide receivers, which is what we're expecting when we draft both of them. And, and we, where you have to draft Tyreek Hill again, he's considered one of the top five wide receivers off the board, most likely. Right. In, in, in redraft. I know dynasty is a little bit different, but in redraft, probably top five wide receivers. I don't know if I, I, I like that situation enough to draft him in that position. And I think you're going to be let down. Not saying he can't perform to that level. He very well could. Cause like I said, new offense, new coaches, we don't know what's going to happen there. And maybe the new offensive scheme and maybe with Tyreek there it really unlocks this offense and Tua just, you know, takes a giant step forward and becomes more in that upper echelon of quarterbacks. It could all happen. I'm just not seeing a very clear pathway for that to happen. I think that's completely fair. You talked about the new coaching staff. So Mike McDaniel, we have one year of him with San Francisco, kind of getting his feet wet as an offensive coordinator. And just 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 to throw this out there, San Francisco ranked 29th overall last year in pass attempts. Now, obviously, they were still able to make uh, – you know, our guy Debo looked mm-hmm. pretty great in that offense, but it doesn't Tyree Hill mean... does not take rushes out of the backfield. Like that's <laughs> the, he's not built that way. Like Debo is built yes. differently than Tyreek. So yes. while, while yeah, he could be used in some of those situations and maybe like jets, more jet sweeps and, um, you know, things like that. Sure. But I mean, he's not going to get the Debo treatment there. For sure. For sure. I think that's the moon that you're getting with him is what we saw from Debo minus the rushing attempts. But I, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to maybe if I was, we'll have to address this once we get closer to, you know, the season, but Jalen Waddle could be the guy that I would look at. Wait a couple, three rounds potentially and take Jalen Waddle instead of uh, Mm -hmm. risking it on Tyreek. I might be more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Here's the part of the show Dustin, where I want to dwell on the previous season's rookies for just just a second. It has to be brought up, and we could probably do this every year and mm-hmm. look backward at the previous year's group of rookies, and except for a couple of guys, we could probably just throw a dart at anybody that was drafted and say this about them. But Justin Fields is a real question mark heading into 2022 take this from somebody who drafted him in our home league as a second quarterback because we have to because limited transactions and all that stuff you've heard us talk about a lot before 
thinking that once he got a shot, oh man, Justin Fields is going to run wild. Mm-hmm. Hulkamania is going to run wild on the NFL. And then it didn't, it didn't come close to that. In fact, everything that we saw, well, all we saw were two things. We saw him either struggle desperately and take off running just to try and get any positive yards he could on a play or struggle desperately and then chuck it downfield in the hopes that Darnell Mooney or somebody would be down there to come up with it. And and that's it. That's all we got to see out of Justin Fields. You can blame Matt Nagy, and I like to. I liked it quite a bit. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But you do eventually have to consider what the current Bears staff is doing to help Justin Fields this offseason. All that we've seen right now is Allen Robinson go away, and he's now with the Rams. We haven't seen any additions to this team. Outside of uh, breaking news, James O'Shaughnessy, former tight end with the Jacksonville Jaguars, has signed with the Bears. So, you know, that means wheels up, probably. And that's literally it. Nothing else has changed, and it doesn't. They have to make huge, huge moves in this draft or post-draft to sign, I don't know, I guess a Julio Jones or a Jarvis Landry or somebody like that. Before I would say the weapons here are good enough for me to believe that last year is completely in the rear view. And we're looking at a brand new Justin Fields. And I'm not ready to face that just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough to see. Uh, I'm definitely have my uh, expectations tempered. Uh, I just, yeah, it's hard, so hard to know, so hard to know with that new again, kind of what we're talking about with Miami new offense. Uh, I just, I don't know how to feel about it. I want to believe. I want to. I'm Fox Mulder in this situation here. I want to <laughs> believe. But I just don't know that I really can. It's I, I, I just hope that, you know, Nagy isn't like uh, Adam Gaze and just ruins people uh, in their right. careers. So it's like I hope that he can come out of this and and turn it around. But, yeah, I'm definitely skeptical for for this season until I see it. You know, if, if he comes out and proves it for the first half of the season, you know, that he's, he's showing progress and, and improving, then sure, I'll, I'll be on board, and I'll admit that I, I missed, but I, I'd probably uh, take a chance on other players rather than him right now. Yeah, even though we didn't see anything out of Trey Lance last year, I'd rather take Trey Lance. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I'm feeling. Yep. Yeah, just, I mean, that organization is much more solid as a whole, you know, than uh, Chicago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there, eye to eye with you, buddy. A uh, real quick one from uh, Hollywood in the chat, by the way. Oh, yeah. What you going to do when Hollywood runs wild on you? Uh, one, that is the call out to uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, but also to Hollywood himself here in the chat. So that kind of was double duty, really. <laughs> duty. <laughs> All right. Who do you want to talk about next? Uh, let's let's stick with the rookies and let's talk about Travis Etienne. Guy that was injured. Again, we didn't see him play at all. We we, we don't know what's going to happen there. Again, a trend we've got going on here. New coaching staff. Uh, probably new offensive schemes. But the way people are talking, and I think people are very excited after what we 
you know, quote unquote, saw out of Cam Akers returning from from his Achilles last year uh, very quickly. I think people are very excited that ETN is going to come back from this injury and and take up this this mantle uh, for that offense and and be the running back there. I don't know if I believe it. I mean, I wasn't the biggest ETN believer coming into the last year to begin with, and it was a very muddy backfield. And now the coach, I know the GM's there that that drafted him, but it is a new coach, and we know coaches will play the players they want to play. They won't necessarily play the players that have the draft capital. So even though ETN was a first-round pick, doesn't mean he's going to see the field. I mean, we saw that with uh, Trey Sermon over in San Francisco last year. So, And James Robinson is still there. Yes, he had a very late-season injury as well, but he could return and, and be um, in the mix as well. And there's nothing to say that Jacksonville won't draft another running back you know, in the mid-rounds to compete for this year. So I just... I I have a hard time with all the hype that's surrounding him. Even after the injury, I just have a hard time buying into him at that draft capital and, and thinking he's going to come back and be 100% healthy. I just, I don't believe it. I think that's kind of like what you see with ACLs is that it takes like almost a full year, even once they're back playing. It's not the year that they come back. It's the following year where they're back to their old selves. And I, I feel like this is kind of a similar situation where, yeah, maybe he'll be back and playing, but he's not going to be 100% in, in, in what we're, we're expecting. So that's why I'm staying away from him. I just, I, with the injury, I just, I, I just want to, again, I will take my lumps and I will admit I was wrong. If he comes out and, and does something great this season, I will be the first one to stand in line and say, yes, I was wrong and I whiffed on this one. And I'm okay. I, I'm okay doing that. I know you are. It's because you've had so much practice. Ayo! Ayo! Look at this guy over here with the jokes. Uh, I do want to point out, though, actually, what you said about ETN and his injury is kind of in a weird way why I'm more buying into him probably than you are, is because James Robinson had the, like you said, the later season injury. Mm -hmm. How long does it take before James Robinson becomes the James Robinson? pre-injury that could take almost the entire year so it's mm -hmm. really it's just a volume thing it's not anything more than that it's volume and it's looking at how many targets is this guy gonna get because that's all i'm excited about really for travis Etienne is you know they drafted him i mean urban meyer didn't seem to really even want him uh honestly or or he didn't want him and lavisca chanel at least at the very least mm -hmm. let's put it that way and there was way too much overlap there, more than I was comfortable with. They are trying to move on from Chenault, it seems like. They're certainly uh, not shy about that aspect. If that happens, if they move Chenault, I'm actually going to be maybe not effusive about Travis Etienne, but I will be much higher on him at that point because I think what I want is all those targets out of the backfield or those, those mid-range routes and, and that kind of thing for him. Mm -hmm. If he gets that, then great. You know, then he's Danny Woodhead. And I loved me some Danny Woodhead when Who he didn't? was still around, you know. And it's just because he got targets. It wasn't mm -hmm. anything he did as a rusher. But I, I would be cool with that. But okay. what you can see, I don't yep. know. I really don't know. That's the um, great thing about this is time will tell one way or the other if, if we're right or if we're wrong. That's goddamn right. 
Or unless, uh, I don't know, you know, like Armageddon happens in between now and then. And uh, Bruce Willis is retired from acting, so he's not going to come help out this time. And, and that's oh, the biggest it. bummer. I know. I know. Uh, I do want to keep talking here about rookies. And I'm going to hit you back with a rookie running back from last year's class. His name is J.K. Dobbins. I've talked on this podcast, talked on the Ball Blast podcast, talked to anybody who will listen to me. I've shouted at people in the street corner saying, what's really cool about the Ravens' backfield going into this next season is we saw they would finally throw to their running backs. And the running backs were finally getting targets. Mm -hmm. Ergo, when J.K. Dobbins comes back, he's going to get targets. Because if Devonta Freeman, at like 80 years old, can wrangle quite a few targets, then J.K. Dobbins can do it. But now I'm starting to get scared. Dustin, plainly, I am scared. Because unlike even with Travis Etienne, where we've heard some news with the injury, mm -hmm. like we've heard things. We've been sort of kept up to date on him. Not as much as like Cam Akers or something, but we've been kept up to date. We haven't heard shit for J.K. Dobbins. We've heard nothing except that they're coming in and sniffing around all these running backs. Right. They're bringing in a bunch of rookie running backs for their visits. They were sniffing around Melvin Gordon, which is terrifying because we both know and love and appreciate Melvin Gordon, even at this stage in his career. I think it would be silly to think that he couldn't pull off maybe a Mark Ingram role from back mm -hmm. when he was still with the Ravens. Yep. And so what does that leave for J.K. Dobbins? Gus Edwards is still there. Gus Edwards is just that thing that never goes away. You know, he's he's like that mole that you just cannot get removed. And I, sorry, that was rude to Gus Edwards. I don't know why I <laughs> all of a sudden wanted vengeance on Gus Edwards. But I do think all of that complicates J.K. Dobbins. And the fact that we still, again, haven't really seen him. Uh, what the hell do I do with that? So unless I get a firm update and they avoid all the running backs that are out there via draft, mm -hmm. via free agency, I'm done. I'm out on J.K. Dobbins for the year, flat out. Unless he falls outrageously low in the draft, like I'm talking about double digits, I'm out. Yeah, I don't think he would ever fall quite that far. He might get close. I mean, if, if they draft a rookie or, like you said, bring in Melvin Gordon, yeah, I you know he'll plummet from. I'm I'm guessing he's probably a third round pick, third or fourth right now. Uh, I'm just off the top of my head. So yeah, I could see him dropping. You know, maybe to like the seventh or eighth, dropping a couple rounds, few rounds, but not into double digits. I think people would still be way too high on him, uh, regardless. So well, Jake looks like you're probably going to miss out on him if that happens. But yeah, it's wow. been really odd that we haven't heard anything. Or seen any uh, hype videos come out? You know they love to do the workout videos that, you know they're running through the gauntlet or you know running the the ropes or you know whatever it is showing that they're, you know back on track. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen any of that, and it's that it is a little concerning. Um, and while yes, they were passing more to the to the backfield this year. Do we know that that's going to continue to happen? I mean, this was really the first time that we've seen that offense ever utilize the backfield in that way. And it was partly because they just started upping the pass attempts. And it was really dramatic how many uh, passes they threw mm -hmm. last year compared to 2020. And so I think that regression would be right. reasonable to expect there, too, mm -hmm. and just the sheer number of pass attempts. 
Because you're right. It's not even that they got a bigger share of the pie. It's just that the pie got bigger and therefore they got more targets. Right. So that that that's that's probably for me, other than not hearing any news, that's probably my biggest worry is that I, I feel like that could be an outlier last year. And and like you said, things might regress back to what we've traditionally seen out of that offense. Um, but like you said, if, if we get news here in the offseason and, you know, in a week and a half with the draft, if they don't draft a running back until maybe like the sixth round or something, then, you know, I'm not going to be too concerned. And then if they don't bring in a, a running back here in the off, you know, the rest of the offseason before training camp starts, I'll feel a little bit better and, and would probably take him. I mean, I still really like him, but it is concerning that we haven't heard anything yet. Let me ask you a hypothetical. I want to gauge if you're as low on J.K. Dobbins as I am. Let's suppose that Baltimore signs David Johnson, who is technically a free agent. He was with Houston last year. Mm-hmm. He got a ton of uh, carries, by the way. His workload was big last year. It's just it was the Texans, so what are you going to do? But if he signs with the Ravens, would you take Dobbins in the first five rounds? Yeah, I would. You'd still be good? Because that, is that your assurance that like, oh, they didn't go for a big name guy. They went for David Johnson. Yeah, because David Johnson, I think at that point, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, would be more of like the third down pass catching back, which I know is what we're just saying. That's kind of what we're relying on here. But it, you, you know that that probably wouldn't take away from Dobbins' role too significantly. Uh, yeah, you'd so you still get the that, rushing touchdowns. Yeah, you'd still get the rushing. You get the rushing touchdowns, um, and maybe that's more of like an insurance policy that you know, as he becomes healthier throughout the season, that uh, um, you know, maybe David Johnson would kind of get phased out at that point. But but you want like a veteran that that you can rely on um, that still has a little bit of tread left on the tires. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. But I think what you said about David Johnson being the third down back, which is totally right, he would be. He's a good pass catcher. That's mm-hmm. actually the thing that would keep me from drafting him in the first five rounds. I'd like that a hell of a lot more than if Melvin Gordon went there. But right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel we're a little bit split there, but I, I see where you're coming from. I, it's not like I have a super hard and like fast feeling that, yes, I'm all in on J.K. Dobbins no matter what. I'm, I'm kind of riding the fence a little bit. It is really dependent on on what happens here over the next, you know, few weeks to a month, uh, with with the draft and free agency. By the way, all I heard there was super hard on, and I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head for the remainder of the show. So thank you for that. I tried to pivot away from it, and I, I just, <laughs> I, I as it was coming out of my oh. mouth, I realized what was happening, and I just. You thought I was going to let it slide, and I will no. never let that slide. All right, who do you want to talk to to get our mind? off of that super hard on now all right let's talk about hunter renfro next here um god i and i and i i hate to actually talk about him in this manner because i love hunter renfro i i think he had an amazing season he's a very solid receiver i I stepped up big last year uh actually the last two years we saw him kind of come on you know at the end of uh uh nice titan thank you for that uh (laughs) Uh, you know, we, we saw him come on towards the end of his rookie season last year, really stepped up when Waller was out. But the reason, and and I'm sure, you know, spoiler alert, you're going to uh, talk about this as well here a little bit. We're kind of a uh, same side of the coin or two sides of the same coin. I got there. There you go. Um, 
you know, with Devontae Adams coming in and and that high profile name, he, you know, they paid him all this money. Derek Carr's buddy from college, you know, they're they're good friends. They have they have a relationship already. Uh, and they're going to force feed Devontae the ball. I, I truly do believe that. And then you also have to remember, you've got Darren Waller still there. Very, very good tight end. And yes, he was dinged up this last year. So I, I don't take last year as a, like a, last year is a fluky thing for Waller where we didn't quite see the production we normally did. And that's why Renfro had uh, an amazing season. With those two factors together, I just, I don't, I, I don't see how Renfro holds his current value and, and, and is, you know, where people are drafting them right now. And I know new offense, we've got Josh McDaniels. Yep. We don't know what his offense is going to look like. Let's be honest. You know, being with the Patriots all those years, he had his couple of years or one year in Denver, like 10 years ago. Like, I mean, we, we don't know what his offense, his own personal offense is going to look like, but I would have to think that they, they're going to get the ball to the guy they just paid a shit ton of money to. And, and that's that. So while Renfro will probably have his weeks, uh, and, and you can never have too many good football players on your team, but Derek Carr is not, uh, Mahomes or not a Rogers where you can, uh, hold up to, high-end wide receivers on their team plus a high-end tight end as well so i just that's why it's risky to me i i mean like i said i love him if i can get him at a value or, or or trade low for him right now if people are really down on him and i can get a good value i'll take him because he's probably gonna have a very safe floor for you he's just not gonna have that ceiling that we saw this last year Boy, it's tough for me to even say that he's gonna have a safe floor. And let yeah, let me let's we have so much overlap here because mm-hmm. one of the guys I did want to talk about was Devontae Adams. And part of the reason was I still believe Hunter Renfro is a very good NFL wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not gonna disappear. Absolutely. So what you're saying there, yeah, probably is like two, it's gonna be some targets that he's gonna get every game. And not everything can go to Devontae Adams and Darren mm-hmm. Waller. Right. However, it's Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. So if you have to create a hierarchy there, I do think Hunter Renfro is third in that hierarchy. Hard to say if Josh Jacobs is going to continue to see mm-hmm. his targets out of the backfield, which have increased every year mm-hmm. the last three years. Maybe not. And and with the you know the new guy in town, that could go away. But right. I did want to share some shed some light too on Devontae Adams. I okay. think it's applicable here. Let's flip right into it. So, you know, yes, they could feed Devontae Adams, as they should. You would assume they will feed Devontae Adams because, like you said, they paid this guy all this money. It's Derek Carr's college buddy and, and all of that. This is the thing that I want to just caution. I am not pulling the uh, parachute tab or whatever the thing is. What's the thing, you know, on the parachute that you would pull? Is it just a string? Is it literally just a string? Is it like a have a better name? Yeah, I don't know. Right? It's got. I, I don't know. I'm sure. I don't. I don't. I don't jump out of planes, and I don't use parachutes, so I, I don't know the technical <laughs> term of it. Okay, fine. I'm not hitting the ejector seat button. How about that on Devante? Yeah, I know. Again, you probably don't ride in places that have ejector seats either, but you can understand where I'm going with the analogy. Yes. I bet. Okay. Perfect. Well, then, in that case. That's what I'm not doing. I'm not saying that he's going to be terrible, Devontae Adams, this year, by any stretch. 
But I do want to caution people about getting a little too cute with the whole car and Adam's reunion, you know, college buds. They didn't play together since 2013. It's not like they've been having backyard scrimmage games over this last almost 10 years uh, together. Maybe they have, but we haven't heard it reported, damn it. Uh, And I do want to point this out. Adams is not going to get his target share that he got in Green Bay. There's just no way that can happen. Just context, the last four years with Aaron Rodgers, these are his target shares. 31 31.5%, 32.5%, 29.5%, 28.5%. That's crazy. You don't get that anywhere else unless mm-hmm. again, you're Cooper Cup and you eat a lot of brunch with Matt Stafford. But Darren Waller also was no schlub, and he's a tight end, and he never had less than 22.5% target share in his career there. So something has to give. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of them are going to get what they had. No chance that they're going to get uh, their same levels of target shares that they've had over the last year, which again, then still means Hunter Renfro is not even going to get the target share that he had for, for last year or the year before that, for that matter, when he was still useful and relevant. Like he was a low end wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. I want to say in 2020, something about there. I don't think any of that's happening for any of these guys. I think Darren Waller, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro are all going to eat into each other. And again, nobody's fallen outside the top 10 here besides Renfro, but you got to be a little worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. I, I, I can definitely see it. So that being said, we're, how, how do you see, you know, just off the cuff, how do you see, you know, Waller and Devante and, and Renfro all shaking out? Um, is Devontae a wide receiver one, top 12 wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I would low, still a low end. take him there. Probably but a low end. I think I think it would be more reasonable, honestly, for him to fall outside of the top 8 to 10 than it would be for him to have another top 2 year, right. for, for example. Right, right. I'm just trying but to gauge on, on where low. you're at. Yeah, I'm just trying to gauge where you're at on these players. And then, uh, so Renfro would be, what, like a wide receiver 3? Sure. He he could I still mean, be a reasonable flex with, because with, I do think Devontae Adams helps the wheels turn mm-hmm. on the offense and mm-hmm. so there's more opportunities for people. Yeah, so so wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside on given I weeks. I don't even know if I'd give him wide receiver oh, two really? upside, but not not on yeah. a consistent basis. I'm just saying like he can give you those little bit more boom weeks. Uh Maybe. okay, and then and then Waller, tight end. I mean, I'll still be ranking him somewhere inside of my top four because it's just okay it's the dearth of the position right. more than anything else okay. but like he's another guy i'm not going to draft darren waller inside the first two rounds this year mm-hmm. like i would have last year right right okay i think i'm i think i'm right there with you on on those uh rankings there jake i don't think Woo. i'm right there look at us i know Woo-hoo. we're back on track we're back together the gruesome twosome Woo. All right. Who do you want to talk about next? (laughs) All right. Let's let's talk um, the the man among amongst men here of 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 wide receivers, DK Metcalf. Um, I I have real concerns uh, for this next season, 
And I know talent trumps everything in the NFL. When when you're the one percent of the one percent of NFL players, uh, you know you're good. And he and he is good. Don't get me wrong. I love DK, uh, but with that uncertain quarterback situation, I mean, you're going from Russell Wilson, who's a very very good quarterback, to it's Drew Locke right now. Are are they going to draft a rookie this year, and they're going to start a rookie in this in this QB class coming in? That doesn't excite me at all. I don't care who gets, I don't care if it'd be Malik Willis, and uh, that that goes there. Like that just wouldn't excite me. And I just I I have real concerns again with the draft capital you're going to have to spend on DK that that he's. He's not. He, he's just not going to perform where we want, and I think it could be a very down season for him this year. Like it, I think the Seattle offense could r- struggle mightily. I mean, we saw what this Denver offense did last year with maybe not totally comparable players, but I mean, you had two very skilled wide receivers. Well, three if you take a, a you know Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick in there. Um, and you know, I they do. had you know Noah Fant. They had you know, which got shipped over to Seattle or Seattle. And then they had a great running game. Well, I mean, it's comparable to what Seattle has. Um, although I would say that um, the Broncos offensive line is, you know, leagues better than, than Seattle's, but right. I mean, Seattle had a, has a competent running game, uh competent tight end or a platoon of tight ends. They would, they would make it one decent one if they stayed healthy. Um, and then, uh, you know, some good wide receivers. So, Russell Wilson was kind of that that one piece that makes those two teams drastically different. Uh and, and without him there and having Drew Locke at this point, that's that's their starting quarterback on paper. Uh unless Geno Smith that just resigned um is gonna be their starter. Um and we've seen how that experiment has worked out over the years. So I just again for the draft capital you have to spend on him and where he's gonna go in your drafts, I think there's safer players. Uh, that that you can um, go after in that range. So we're we're hitting the big red button on everybody here. We talked about Tyler Lockett last week, kind mm-hmm. of being a, a trade away guy for you, and now DK Metcalf. I actually wanted to point out the best thing that I could see for DK Metcalf's value in 2022 is Geno Smith. I think he's <laughs> the best option for them there. His splits last year with Geno actually were not bad at all. He was like I, 19 PPR points. That's great. I, I mean that I I would want to say that's probably the better quarterback for for Seattle at this time, but it still doesn't excite me. I mean it just sure. it really doesn't. And I just I mean if if DK struggles this year, I mean that's definitely the opportunity at that point to go out and try to trade for him because it's almost impossible to trade for him right now cuz he is such a valuable dynasty asset. Mm-hmm. Uh so, I mean, I'm not out on him forever, but it's just for this upcoming season, I just don't like how the tea leaves are reading right now. What you're saying is there could be some games during the season that present some good opportunities to trade for DK Metcalf mm-hmm. in Dynasty, if you believe in him long term, yes. because it's probably going to look pretty gross in, in certain weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I really can't. I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of crossed my fingers for Geno Smith, and that's not a position you probably want to be in 
for a wide receiver on your fantasy team. So mm-hmm. um, nothing against Gino, though. He did. I no. think he looked great coming in in relief last year. But as like a full season starter, I just don't know. I don't know what that would mm-hmm. look like. So. All right. Do we want to do one more a piece here? Sure. Let's do it. We got a little bit of time left. All right. Again, we don't. I feel like we're dwelling on the negative, but we're just trying to lead you to maybe greener pastures. And that everything's not all daisies and roses and unicorns and rainbows. That's just not. Almost never all of them together. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe maybe one of them individually. But I can tell you, Jameis Winston has been at least uh, he's been all of those things at least once at some point. So that's what I will say. Maybe not all together, but at some point he's been all of those things. Jameis Winston is a unicorn, uh, and he's the guy I want to be the Saints quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Saints want him to be the Saints quarterback this year. They were in on the Deshaun Watson thing. They were looking mm-hmm. to go get that guy before they re-signed Jameis Winston. Then they didn't get Deshaun, obviously. The Browns got him, and then the Saints said, Jameis, please come back. <laughs> Can we? Okay, we'll give you a modest salary if you just come back and make this situation look a little bit better on paper. Mm-hmm. And so he did. Um, and then, I don't know. Is it is it just me reading too much into this? But his contract is like, it's still bad. It's behind Sam Darnold's contract in terms of value. So they don't mm-hmm. have a lot of attachment. Right. They brought on Andy Dalton just because they need somebody there in the wings because Jameis is also dealing with an injury. Yep. So Jameis is coming back with a torn ACL. Again, we've talked about this. Not an easy feat necessarily. The Saints have picks to like draft a quarterback, and they could and probably should. And maybe that rookie wouldn't start right away this year, but we'd have that lingering doubt. If they draft a quarterback, especially in the first round, because they have two picks in the first, they draft a quarterback. Well, at some point this year, there's a good chance he's going to start. And when's that going to be? You don't believe in Ian Book? I don't believe in Ian Book. I've I've rarely read one, (laughs) nor do I want to see him start. He's their third stringer as of Mm -hmm. now. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't think that will be long. Uh, I don't believe in Ian Book. <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> in that staff probably does. And also, truly, th- this is here's the Packers homer that finally gets to come out in this episode. I think that Jordan Love is still very much uh, a possibility for teams on draft day to trade mm-hmm. for. I think he's I've heard people say he if he came out in this class, he would be the top guy in this class. So why not spend your capital on right. that guy instead of drafting mm-hmm a rookie who would potentially be worse and with no experience. Right. I don't know. I think that's still a possibility and and they could trade for him and that wipes out Jameis Winston's value. Mm -hmm. I'm just, it's, I'm anticipating this headache all season long of will Jameis be healthy? Will Jameis be the starter all the way through? And while he's starting, I think it's going to be great for you. I mean, he's got Michael Thomas presumably coming back. Mm -hmm. So that's going to help him a lot too, if and when he plays, but I just don't know what that's going to look like. So I'm a little scared for right now. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. I think you uh, summed that up uh, perfectly there with the famous Jameis. Brutal. All right, who do we want to wrap up on here? All right, last one we're going to talk about here, and, and we've talked about him in previous episodes, so we don't probably need to get too deep into this. 
but that is Mr. Zach Wilson. Uh, he was just dead awful last year. Uh, dead, dead awful. And and maybe, you know, this isn't so much of a risk because his draft capital is already pretty depressed. Um, but I think people do see upside there. You know, people saw some good things you know, the last few weeks of the season. And, you know, I think the Jets are expected to probably draft another wide receiver in, in this year's draft. Um, they've, they've also got some decent draft capital there. They, they shored up the offensive line a little bit uh, in free agency. So, you know, second year in this system with, with the coaching staff, I, I think people, you know, could talk themselves into saying like, okay, maybe, maybe he's going to be better than, you know, he, he definitely can't be worse than he was last year. I don't know. While I like some of the pieces on that Jets offense. I don't know that that means fantasy goodness for, <laughs> for Zach Wilson. And I don't know that he's ever going to be a quality starter for you. Uh, I, I don't even know in a super flex league, if, if you'd be comfortable with him as your QB two, to be honest. So I, he doesn't hold a lot of fantasy value right now. And obviously that can change, but just based on what we saw last year, I just, I'm not a believer in him. And like I said, he's he's already got a depressed draft capital, so it's not like you have to go out and spend. You're, you're not spending a high end, uh, you know, high round draft pick on him in in your drafts this year. But I would still just stay away. Like he's still just way too risky, even at the price you have to pay. Like you could you could stream uh, quarterbacks every week and and do better than Zach Wilson for an entire season. <sighs> yeah, it's hard it's hard for me to disagree because if like every statistical measure he was terrible last mm -hmm. year if you just watched him play he was uncomfortable the entire time he never won and every quarterback who stepped in when he was out did better <laughs> like every yeah. every single one of them and there was yep. like four basically that were rotating in and out and they all looked good so zach wilson you don't have a ton of excuses i know you're a rookie but yeah that it doesn't make him look good. And the other thing is, I've now, you say you're not going to have to draft him high. And that's and that's still for sure true. But mm -hmm. I have seen some big names throwing some hype out for him lately on Twitter. Maybe it's just because it's the dead zone and people just want a, a little pet project, you know, it to, to take be. under their wing or something. But I've started to see that tide switch and, and that's not good either the, no. the saving grace is that you've got another san francisco guy coming in this time the defensive coordinator robert sala uh who you know was head coach there in his first year and had to take maybe some time to get acclimated mm -hmm. i like to do i like to give coaches that leeway too like just like players your first year new team new system all of that doing it yourself so maybe well, he just needed time yeah, and you want to try to get your guys in there too. You know, it, it's 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 like it's same as college. Like coaches recruit the guys they want. NFL, you know, you you want guys on your team that that are fit your system and and will do you know play how you want them to play more or less. So it's just yeah, you know, it takes give give them a couple years. But I still don't know if if uh, Wilson's the answer there. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's a total wait and see. You, I, I throw my hands up at mm -hmm. it. I have him on a dynasty superflex roster right now, and my hope is just well, it's superflex, so I've got to have somebody starting there. Uh, and then maybe twenty twenty three, he turns maybe. it on. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. 
Okay. Well, that'll about do it for tonight, since that's the last player we said we were going to talk about. Unless you have any last words here, Jake, you want to add? No, I'll throw out a random, because he was on my list, but I didn't even feel that convinced enough to talk about him. Dawson Knox, I'm so kind of, he's he's he only worries me because he's encroaching up to that potential like top five or six tight end mark where people see, oh, look at all the touchdowns he got last year. They signed O.J. Howard. You know, mm-hmm. they signed uh, uh, Jameson Crowder. All these, like, over-the-middle guys. Touchdowns are going to go down. I don't know. I, I, he could still be great. Because who the fuck am I, again, to judge tight ends? I have no That's track very record true. to do so. That's the other reason I didn't really want to talk about him, but I'll, I'll throw him out there. Just well, in case he, it, he does bad. That way I can come back to this moment and be like, hi, I told you and so. It, and he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. It's not like he was super involved other than in the red zone, which is what you want, but touchdowns are not sticky, so you can't rely on that every year. So unless he gets more involved in the, the day-to-day passing game and gets more receptions and yards, yeah, I don't I don't see how he retains that same value he currently has. Agreed. Okay. Well then, folks, that'll do it. Thank you for joining us. Those of you that joined us live, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And uh, those of you that are now listening to the show uh, via audio waves, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We do appreciate it. Uh, Go out, give us a rate and review, five stars, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Helps others find us, which we appreciate. Spread the word how awesome DTFF is. Uh, go hit us up on any of our Twitter handles. If you want any sort of fantasy advice here in the off season, we are here for you. Uh, we do want your drunk trades. Please get those submitted to us. Uh, it's our favorite segment. We love talking about them. You can hit up Jake at Jake Trobage. You can hit up me at FF Dusty Dog. And please hit us up on our podcast Twitter handle at Drinking Fantasy. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Shut